0: What's going on? Welcome to Life's a Trip Podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Chase. And uh, on this podcast, we explore all kinds of stuff, all the, the weird and winding individual paths that we all walk in life. Uh,
1: our conversations range from mindfulness and relationships.
0: All the way to psychedelics, spirituality, and a whole bunch of weird, crazy, fun stuff.
1: Yeah, and uh, we just we look at
0: basically what it means to be anything at all. Or not. Or not. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, and I hope that you enjoy. Love you guys. See you on the other side. Peace. And we are here, episode 16, with the incredible Rebecca Bex Logan. How are you today? <laughs>
1: I'm doing great. Hell yeah. yeah. So
0: we just got done with a yoga class at Asheville Community Yoga. We did a vinyasa flow class. Yes,
1: right? absolutely.
0: Um and that was freaking awesome. We are also here with this little kitty cat. What kind of cat is it again? A bangle. It's a bangle cat, so it looks like a bangle. And she she, right? Mm-hmm. She's absolutely adorable. Um and yeah, and after yoga, we came back and she actually cooked Both of us, some quinoa and vegetable, little stir fry. Yeah,
1: it was delicious.
0: It was absolutely amazing. Crystal
1: hot sauce is the key, though.
0: Yeah, crystal hot sauce. Yeah. My first time. Sponsor us. Yeah, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Sponsored by crystal hot sauce. Um, Yeah, so that was freaking amazing. But the most amazing thing, I think, is this manmosa. can can you explain to our listeners what the hell a man is
1: well so it's a yeehaw ipa because my roommate's boyfriend works at yeehaw brewing and he brings us ipas for free but if you put orange juice in the top it's actually good to drink so that's usually what we do
0: it doesn't even taste like an ipa no it's great yeah and i actually i mean i'm a fan of ipas right personally
1: it's like a it's a tropical drink i just feel like their IPAs hit me too... It's too much. So I like to put some orange juice in it.
0: Fair enough. Well, i hint the term Manmosa. Yeah. So when you drink it, is it like a woe-man-mosa? <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> I try not to drink it enough to give it a name.
0: Oh, fair enough. Well, <laughs> cheers to number two of the night. <laughs> uh. But... Yeah, um, Bex, uh, intrigued me right off the bat, um, I actually met you, what, a week ago? Yeah,
1: the, the Level 42 Art Gallery, if you haven't seen it, you should go check it out.
0: In Asheville. Yeah. Um, and that is Asheville, North Carolina. Every time I say Asheville, everyone thinks I'm saying Nashville. Yep. (laughs) So no, it's, it's with an A, Asheville. Um, yeah, we met there, and we were there with our friends, um, Amanda and Molly, Mm-hmm. who came into town who are also absolutely incredible human beings the best but um you know what intrigued me the most is actually what i mean obviously we have a lot of things in common but i think one thing that really intrigued me is what you do i guess for a living or what you're training to do kind of like go into that what is how do you explain it
1: so i am first of all the program manager of a therapeutic adventure trek nonprofit Called Pivot Point, Western North Carolina. Um, we work mainly with the substance use population. Um, running paddleboarding, climbing, hiking, rafting, um, treks in the wilderness around here. Where uh, we go to Pisgah and Dupont, a lot of the conservation lands, um, and run kind of like mindfulness-based hikes to really get people plugged into what they're noticing, how they're feeling, what's going on for them. Um, which is a pretty integral part of recovery. Um, so that's so that's like one job. people that
0: have had trouble with a certain substance that are recovering. Is that what I'm getting out of it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We I think we focus mainly with substance use. Um, that is, um, kind of the background of Pivot Point. But, um, we take residential treatment center clients, halfway house clients out and about and we have some independent contractors that work for us and we run treks that are usually like four to six hours um and i'm the program manager so i focus more on kind of curriculum day-to-day grants scheduling um client outreach stuff like that um but i love to run the treks because my background's in wilderness therapy so
0: wilderness therapy that yeah. sounds fucking dope as yeah. is. I yeah, mean. it is yeah it is so you tell me you went on something recently. Was that today or um, yesterday? You went yesterday. down some mountain or some shit? Yeah,
1: we took the guys to uh, Bradley Falls and ended up rappelling down this 40-foot rock face to get to the base of Bradley Falls. If you've ever been there, it's beautiful. Um, but my thighs weren't quite prepared for the, <laughs> the, the plummet and then, of course, the backup that had to happen. Um, so I was glad to
0: do some yoga today. Yeah, which was actually a pretty good class. Yeah. Absolutely. Um Yeah, well that's freaking amazing. Um I didn't even know the I mean your title within that. Right. Um but you know on top of that, um you also do this neural what what were we going to say neural
1: neurofeedback.
0: Neurofeedback. Yeah. Yes. Let's dive into that.
1: Okay, so Basically, you know how your brain has chemical properties to it? So you've heard the terms like norepinephrine, yeah. Um, serotonin, yeah, things like oxytocin, things like that. So there's a whole chemical side of things happening in your brain. And then there's a whole electrical side of things happening in your brain. Lots of electrical activity going on in there as well. Um, and so just like pharmaceuticals... I'd, address the chemical part of your brain, uh, neurofeedback, we do a, an EEG brain scan and it measures the total power of your brain and where it's allocated in all of the different parts of your brain in frequency. Um, and so by looking at the total power of your brain and how it's spread out, we take that brain scan and we Z score it or average it against everyone else who's Ever had a brain scan that is your age and your gender and we can get a brain map um, with these little pictures of the brain that shows different parts that are maybe under or overpowered so that you can see general patterns in the brain and what's going on and then through that let's say for example you had a signature for the depression in the back of your brain and it was running at a really low frequency and we wanted the frequency to be higher than that. We would set a reward window for the higher frequency and then hook you up with electrodes to the computer. And your brain pops up like a mirror on the computer. So this is just
0: like where you have like all the little things all over the head and you're yes. like wearing like a, a helmet almost, yes. but with little pods or whatever yes. just sticking out? And...
1: That's the EEG. Okay, right. So then... The electrodes would just be attaching two electrodes to the back of the brain or wherever, whatever part of the brain you're trying to address. Okay. And then pulling your brain up like a mirror on the computer, so you can see the waves that are happening live time in that part of the brain. Okay. And then we play a movie, and when your brain is in the reward window that we set, to get it out of the depressive brainwave state, uh, the movie plays like normal, and when your brain jumps back into that lower depressive state that's causing you problems movie fade the picture fades out and so your brain wants the picture to be there you're like oh i want to see the movie so your reward system teaches your brain to be in a different frequency Whoa. so it addresses the electrical power that's happening in your brain versus the chemical power and recent studies actually show that it is as effective as pharmaceuticals in addressing issues which is a pretty big deal
0: so like literally the the brain hat, I'm gonna call it, <laughs> <laughs> it is great. connected to the movie in a way that when it pops up to the reward system or the reward what do you call it?
1: Um yeah, just the reward frequency that the you set. the reward frequency. Be it's it connected like eight to, eight to the movie hertz, so when for it example.
0: reads that eight to twelve hertz or whatever, it it's the movie's playing, but when it reaches a lower one, it actually dims out the movie? Yeah,
1: like the picture itself fades to black. And your brain's like, oh, the picture! What was it doing when the picture was there? And then it learns to be in a different frequency. Whoa.
0: So it's it's like a therapy. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, It usually it's... I would say it's like a catalyst for therapy, because the the EEG itself you find out so many things that are going on for you like i just had one 2 weeks ago and i found out that my attention and short term memory which is really really low like i'm having a hard time paying attention because my i think it's because i do too many things and my attention's divided between too much stuff like it's it's kind of unsure which came first the chicken or the egg with me okay. um you know am i doing too much and that divided my attention or was my attention divided and that's why i do too much um but it showed that that was thus affecting my long-term memory retrieval. So I was, like, missing memories. I was having a hard time reaching them. And that was something I wasn't aware of in myself. So the EEG itself is an intervention that can be really impactful, especially for people who don't get down with the, the mental health jargon. Like, be present. Be mindful. Right. Like, analyze your thoughts. Reframe your thoughts. You know, there's a lot of more science-brained people who are just, be present, Ugh. you know? Yeah. Who this, that kind of explanation cuts through all of that.
0: Yeah, and shows that it is important to for be sure. present. And-,
1: and then training the electrical power of the brain, along with, you know, maybe a pharmaceuticals that's helping symptoms and talk therapy can be just, like, a really good combination for someone who's dealt with some trauma- Autism, ADHD. I mean, yeah. any any type of.
0: It sounds like the next thing. step that we all kind of need as a society, right? Because there's been this medication that's been around forever, like Zoloft and all that crap, right? You know, but allowing this to be introduced more, I think it needs to be become more mainstream because it sounds like <laughs> it's kind of showing what all that stuff is doing to you and who you are as a person in comparison to your brain.
1: For sure. Well, and no med-shaming here. I know. totally understand why people need to take medications to address certain symptoms that are really affecting their lives. But if there's another option.
0: If there's another. We I, would I'm rather, that. We would I'm rather shift
1: that. the route or find the route than we would putting a Band-Aid on it. Yeah. You know? Yeah,
0: that's, that's why I've, I've never been a fan. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Adderall. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jumping straight into that, but, like, I have been prescribed ADD medication since I was, like, seven. Mm. Like, my parents were like, there's something wrong with this fucking kid. Right. Right, let's, let's take him to the doctor, you know. So, I'm not on medication now, and I haven't been in, like, ten years. But, I mean, my whole life I was like, I need this to be, quote, unquote, Normal. You or know. to
1: sit still in your seat enough because for yes. some reason we expect children to sit
0: still in their I know. seat. like what that' wrong with that? that's that's a whole ass other story <laughs> yeah, it because is. I don't believe in the current system of schooling right. at all. I definitely think everyone has their own niche right everyone has their own thing and I think in the schooling system um, we definitely need to um, be able to you know, exclusively pick out what kids are good at and then kind of cater to them each. But I know we don't have enough teachers for that and we're underpaid, and this, whatever. But, anyway, There should be the infrastructure
1: for it. There should I totally be. There totally yeah.
0: should be. Um, or like,
1: I don't know, teach uh, emotional intelligence skills to kids. Hmm. <laughs> what, so, a, what a thought. Wow. Hmm. I think it was uh, Gandhi, actually, who said that if you train every eight-year-old on the planet today... To meditate, the world would be completely different in 10 years.
0: Yeah. And I was Imagine all the 18 year olds right now. You know what I am saying? Like, God, imagine if we started meditating when we were eight. Absolutely. Oh man, I would have been a whole different person. Or if
1: they haven't, maybe they wouldn't be only vaping and making TikToks with their days.
0: Fair. (laughs) (laughs) Vaping and TikToks. Welcome to 2020. (laughs) So I'm really interested in learning how, because obviously, um, we talked about mental health a little bit, and that's been a very big topic over the last, I mean, few years. It's just been rising and rising and rising, and and even in, I would say, half of our episodes, we have touched on mental health, and I think it's very important for all of our listeners and really anybody, but as far as, like, depression goes, and with what you do with, like, your brain scanning, with your brain hat, uh, (laughs) how do you read depression
1: um that's a good question i think that that is probably a higher up question than i can answer at this point um i am currently in my internship to become biofeedback certification institute of america certified that is a lot but yeah, I love yeah, yeah it. i'm sorry but the lady who i work under she is a certified clinician who is a bcn behind her name and that's why I'm interning under her so that she can impart all of that onto me. Um, so I wouldn't want to talk out of my ass and not, tell and not fully you exactly understand exactly the correct. Exactly yeah. what's up
0: with that. Yeah. But it can read the wavelength of where depression sits or how it is measured.
1: Yeah. It can show, it's showing the total power of your brain. So if the total power of your brain is um, less or more in a certain area. It can represent that that certain area is related to depression or is related to attention or is related to rumination or, you know, negative self-talk. Things, things like that, different parts of the brain are correlated with. And so it's more of kind of general areas of the brain, what you're noticing and then talking to the client about it and seeing if they really relate to what you're talking about. And if they do, then you're like, great. If that's something you're struggling with and that's what the brain map's showing, let's address that symptom. We're
0: doing something. You're not
1: diagnosing with a brain scan. Mm. You know? It's more of because you're measuring such total power and electrical energy Ah. goes everywhere, you can't pinpoint something. You would have to take your skull off and put an electrode on your brain (laughs) to do that. Sounds fun. Uh, Which is dangerous and uh, very painful, I've heard from people. That, got
0: Is that an actual thing? <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm <laughs> joking. I was like, dude, we could take off our skulls and actually read our brain. Like?
1: No, but it with it people sounds in, like you know the we're research that's happened on it. People were in surgery for something else, mm-hmm. and they attached electrodes to the brain and did research while it was happening. Um, so it has happened. So it has happened, but it's not something people right. are I mean, like going in and they're taking off your skull and being like. Yeah, I yeah, say. Well, I'm definitely weird. not doing that. <laughs> yeah. <don't> do
0: hey, <laughs> will you cut my skull open? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's really, really freaking cool and amazing that we have people like you to even be interested in something like that because that's gonna just bring up so much more in the future for people to really understand more of themselves yeah. and of other people.
1: It's important, I think, to blend the technology we have now and neuroscience and therapy together to make like the trifecta, throw a little wilderness in there and
0: whew. That's all you. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, okay, let's kind of get into how in the world you got into this and what made you interested in this. Like how how do you even fall into this? Let's talk more about that. Like, who? How did you get into this?
1: Oh man. So when I was 16, I got attacked in a parking lot and I went from being an always honor student to having like nine piercings and skipping school every day to skateboard and, um, Fuck yeah. just kind of went straight off the rails a little yeah. bit. Um, and so my parents sent me to a wilderness therapy program no way. Uh, for 60 days. Seuss of the Carolinas, it's actually in Old Fort. And so when I turned 21, I came back to work there as a staff.
0: Um, So it really impacted you when you went there?
1: 180 degrees. I can remember waking up, sleeping under a tarp on the side of a mountain, and watching a sunrise happen, and I started giggling, and I realized it was the first time I had felt unfiltered joy in, like, a solid calendar year. Like, like joy. That kind of, like, oh, bubbles man. up when you're, like, driving in your car listening to music and you're like, yeah, life, Like, you're shooting love bullets at people yeah. walking down the street. Like, I can remember that moment. And from there on out, it just kind of busted, busted that adolescent, pissed off, the world's hurt me, shell right off me. And, well, because that's got to you know, be
0: extremely difficult. Because I know when I was my rebellious 16-year-old self, you know, and your parents try to send you somewhere to do something like that, you had to, I mean, I don't know if you did, but, like, I I definitely would have been very, you know, resentful, like, very, like, oh, my God, they're sending me here. Like, this isn't going to do anything for me. Like, did you have that mindset going on know oh, I was did, so you... mad. Yeah. I remember,
1: I I was remember say you had plotting to with this girl at when we first got there, and we were, like, all of these people are brainwashed. They think that the woods is the best thing and they think that therapy's great and they've just brainwashed them. And I made a pact with this girl who had come in with me and we were both like, we're never going to be brainwashed. We'll remain strong till the last day. Like, we're smoking a cigarette the day we get out of this joint. Uh We planned it. And then, you know, three weeks in, both of us cracked. Um, Because you just can't, you can't be mad in nature.
0: At what point do you feel like it helped you crack? Um, was it the sunrise giggling?
1: I think it was. That was like post-cracking. Um, they, the system they have is that you send letters out to your parents, and then on the following week, you get letters back from your parents, and then you process them with your therapist in a ther- in a therapy session. And you're out there with these field instructors who are with your group 24-7. And I had probably the most stellar field instructor of my time. Her name was Jen Nance, and she actually lives in Asheville and made a huge impact on me. She would read Eve Ensler to us every morning, um, who's like an amazing feminist writer. She wrote the Vagina Monologues. She's incredible. And it was the first time I had felt so empowered and I think feeling so empowered after the event that happened to me was a catalyst for me realizing that there, even when sadness really digs a super deep ravine in you, there's that much more room in you for um, hope and peace and joy to fill up when it fills back up. Yeah. Um. And so I think that happened for me while I was out there, but there wasn't like... A specific moment where I was like, oh, I get it all. You know, it's, right. it's a process.
0: It wasn't like the ding of a bell and it was, you know. No,
1: that'd be nice if it worked like that. But oh, I'm good. still learning. Oh, we all are. <laughs> but,
0: but it's amazing because, I mean, like I said, when I think of myself as 16 and, and, and changing the way that I was at that time, I mean, it's very hard to think that that's even possible. Right. But how long did you say the retreat? Is it considered I was, a retreat?
1: No, um, it is definitely a therapeutic program. They they sign their rights over, where the field instructors are your guardians. You uh, you're you're there. Yeah. You can't leave. <laughs> um, how long? Um, I was there for sixty days, but it's how it however long it takes for you to get to a graduation point, basically. So everybody's time was a little bit different, depending on who you were.
0: Did you smoke a cigarette when you left? <laughs> <laughs> it, it
1: took me a little while, but I did. I have not smoked a cigarette in almost seven months now, though. So,
0: hey. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good high five. Yeah, by it. it was. <laughs> it was. That's amazing. That's yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's fucking sweet. Um, so you got into that. Sixteen mm-hmm. years old. Right. Sixty days later. You really changed yourself around. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, on to 1718, where did that kind of lead you into the brain scanning person? like?
1: So that wasn't 1718. I moved out to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and um, kind of remained lost for a while. Sure. Um, and then I um, got into, you know, more of kind of the substance use concert scene out there and i remember just thinking about how i was searching for meaning and depth in relationships in the wrong manner i was looking for those late 4am conversations where you're like diving into someone's soul on the couch
0: yes um, which are great which are great <laughs> but i
1: was i was looking for that in in substances and in concerts and mm-hmm. not looking for that in life. And I wanted to make a huge change. And so I applied to Seuss to come work there. Got accepted for a hiring seminar. Flew out here. They hired me and I moved two weeks later by myself out here. Lived out of my car for five months working out there eight days on, six days off. backpack. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. We're just gonna... <laughs> We don't just skip past the live in the car thing. This is Life's a Trip podcast, okay? Okay. (laughs) That shit's trippy. We're going to dive into that. So, um, you lived in your car for how long?
1: Five months. Explain that. How do you live in a
0: car for five months? To be
1: clear, eight days on, six days off, I was backpacking in the woods for this job. So, every eight days, I would get off and have six days. Um, So, I would go stay with friends in Tennessee or stay with friends that were in Asheville that I had met through that job. Um, So I wasn't exactly, I wasn't really, I don't think I ever slept in my car. I slept in a tent or on a couch or with whoever, but it was, you know, five months over the summer of traveling and going to some music festivals and, you know, staying with friends and just kind of being more transient than it was me, like, Living out of my car.
0: So, I mean, technically, you were homeless.
1: Yes. Right? I've been homeless before that, though, for two weeks when I lived in Tulsa. So, it wasn't my first time being homeless. Were you, and like, The in first a time car? was way, were way, you way like more rough. Were in a car homeless? Or, like... <laughs> um, well, in Tulsa, I was in a truck. But I met people out most nights who invited th- me to crash on their couches who didn't know that I was homeless when I was homeless. And then... I was able to meet some people down by the river. Who, down by the river, <laughs> yeah, who let me come stay with them until I got back on their feet, and it was uh, on my feet. Oh, was and it on it, their feet? Yeah, uh, who, good thing, they got on good thing their feet they're on <laughs> <laughs> Um But they, I lived with a this girl named Blue, who's a beautiful artist now. But when I met her, she had been kidnapped in Turkey. And then escaped from being kidnapped and flew to a burn out west and met this guy from Tulsa and moved to Tulsa with him. So it was me, her, this 70-year-old hippie who had Alzheimer's and this 18-year-old kid who had run away from his parents' house. Wow! <laughs> I want to be a fly
0: on the wall for that. I want I want this to be a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: was. It was a wild experience. Thankfully, I met a much. Right. That's real. <laughs> Thankfully, I met a much more grounded friend after that and moved into a, a more stable living environment.
0: And okay, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I knew I was gonna <laughs> learn a lot about you today. Right. as is everyone right now <laughs> <laughs> that's that's amazing so yeah. kind of to get back a little bit more on track so after Tulsa this that and another um you different music festivals things like that a little bit of substances here and there um where about did the the interest in learning about the brain come along?
1: So I was a field instructor at Seuss, and I had worked there for a long time, worked my way up through the levels of field instructing until I was a master field instructor. You were a master? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I was working alongside, I worked in the 14 to 17 year old guy's substance use program for about six months. Um, And I was, there was a period of time where I was the only female there ever. Like I always had male co-staff and I was always working with dudes. And so I was just really diving into the therapeutic part of it, you know? How can I really, really level myself up in my application of everything I've learned for these, for these kids? And one of the guys who works with the program, his name is Cameron, and he does brain scans on the Seuss kiddos and then processes them in a, in a group format. And explains everyone's brains in front of each other. And then, like, plays off of it. Like, runs by his in- intuition and just, like, blows up everyone's perceptions of themselves. And I would work with these dudes for multiple wow. weeks and never see them bat an eye at their emotions. And then go into a session with Cameron and just weep about their dads immediately. Like, just like, Ooh, like the full no cry. Way. And I was like, this is so amazing. Like, I've watched these kids be in therapy for three weeks now, and they haven't budged in this one session. Just facing the realness of their brain is just, that's, that's the ticket well, for them. Well, it's
0: facts. Right. right. At least the perception of it is facts. Exactly. I mean, it is facts, yeah. yes. But, like, I mean, when I think of that, like, if you look me up to a brain scan, which I hope you do one day... Um, and you tell me the realness of my life it's fucking true (laughs) (laughs) it's true it's all true
1: (laughs) exactly and he's very talented in that way of just like getting right to the heart of it he doesn't candy coat anything it's like right to it and um, I was so intrigued I was like give me books give me things to read and I would go on my off shift I would read them and I would come back to him with questions like okay tell me more about this what can I read about this and so when I was nearing the end of my time there and I decided to go back to school, he hired me to be the tech and run his private practice and uh, facilitate the, the EEGs and also um, run neurofeedback sessions. And I worked with him for two years um, and just got super into it. You know, I really have the belief that without a, a knowledge of how the brain works, that therapy's missing a really big oompa that it could have, um, in impacting someone, and I just got fired up about it and found my found my niche. I think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So definitely Cam,
1: Cameron. Cameron was the the instigator for that for sure. Wow. Yeah.
0: So and you said you went back to school. I did. And so you went back to school for.
1: I started at AB Tech to finish my associates in arts because I had tried college twice before and did very poorly and had to leave. So this was my my coming back. I was like, I'm not going back unless I can, unless I know really what I really want to do. You yeah, know? Yeah. Um. And so I finished my AA there and um, ended up getting a full ride to UNC Asheville, which was pretty dope. And um, I'm there for psychology with a neuroscience minor um getting to really learn about the brain. I got to sh- dissect a sheep brain last week. So I'm like learning in depth about it. They have a great neuroscience minor there. So um I'm getting to
0: So are you full time? Yes. In school right now. Mhm. At UNC Asheville. Yeah. Wow. That's Okay. So <laughs> let me get this let me get this right. So you help run a nonprofit. Yes. You are a full-time student. Yes. And you also do the
1: Neurofeedback. Neurofeedback
0: internship. internship.
1: And I'm a life coach.
0: And you're a life coach. Of
1: two clients.
0: With two clients. Mm-hmm. And yet you found time to <laughs> do yoga with me today, make manmosas, <laughs> um, cook me dinner and tea. <laughs> and uh record a podcast. Yeah. Well, I feel very honored.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've been trying to... I feel like 2019 was how much can I do at once? It was a lot. I had multiple 90-day work weeks. And this year, 2020, was like, how much can I do that I love and balance it with self-care time? Yeah. So I've been really making that my intention. And um, I recently ended a relationship and i feel like the time that opened up i've been able to just fill with new people and music and um you know yoga and the things that actually take care of myself really well so
0: we didn't even touch on that aren't you also doing something with yoga yeah oh. yeah that, I'm let's doing... dive into that a little bit what the hell are you doing with yoga <laughs> right, what's the 18th thing you're doing
1: <laughs> this week <laughs> it's uh Asheville community yoga's yoga immersion which i really recommend to anyone who's trying to just re- deepen their knowledge of yogic philosophy and their personal practice um but it's one weekend a month January through March. So it's it's not a huge commitment, but it's like Friday night and most of the day on Saturday for those weekends. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would personally love to do that.
1: It's so great.
0: Um, I mean, with my current work schedule, I won't be able to do that. Right. Um, but uh, you said it's about like, so it, you were trying to explain it to me earlier. It's not necessarily teacher training. But it's about, like, what?
1: So, Asheville Community Yoga does a foundation series. Okay. Where they teach the foundations of yoga. Then the next level is a yoga immersion series where it's more focused on the philosophy of yoga. Like, the eight limbs. How to apply it to your life. What it means. What the different kinds of yogas are. Like, there's a lot of lecture time. And then it's also breaking down every pose. What does this look like? What should you actually be focusing on? Working on the cues for yourself so that you can build a home practice that has depth to it. And start actually, like, not just practicing Western hot yoga, power yoga, whatever. But, like, no no, hate on hot yoga. It's great. But, like, it's different from, like, the point of yoga being to get to a comfortable seat so that you can meditate to a point where you find bliss. And, right. like... That's a whole nother side of things. Um, So, starting in April, we get to study after it happens. We found a little group of us to study the Bhagavad Gita. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we're going to study the the Yoga Sutras, the Yoga Um, Sutras.
0: Yoga Sutras. Yeah,
1: and just just dive deeper into it because I haven't really found anything spiritually that resonates with me on a level that yoga and meditation does. And it's backed up by neuroscience. Boom. Full circle. So Full like, circle. It, I can get so much more behind it because um, it's fully backed up by neuroscience at this point. They've done brain scans on yogis and found out that basically instead of yogis not feeling pain, like people think that they do, yeah. they actually just have gotten to a point where they've trained their brain to not have such a reaction to it. Like... They are feeling the same amount of pain. The same receptors are going off, but their brain is able to be like, basically, don't panic. It's all good. You're okay. Like, much better than our brains are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean. Which is awesome. is absolutely <laughs> awesome. You know, and, I'm
1: like, yes, less suffering. Let's do it.
0: Right? I mean, it, I've gotten big into it, you know? And, right. and I, I definitely understand how it's, it's spiritual and also backed up. You know, by science and stuff, I I have felt it in, in different ways. I mean, I um, might be slightly different, but I had an experience, two experiences, well, three experiences, I guess, um, that have kind of created my spiritual self a little bit. Um, one was through, like, meditating and being at, like, a retreat and, and kind of getting to a point where everything kind of came to nothing where I just felt like an in all with everything through like just a meditation practice with nothing but myself there. Um, and I've also had that same experience while at a, um, I used to have a nonprofit, um, or I was a board of director of a nonprofit back in like 2014. And we went to Haiti for a, um, like a mission trip. And we did We, like, spread the gospel around the the communities and stuff like that, but we had this church service at this Haitian church, and they spoke nothing but French Creole the entire time. And they were singing in French Creole, and, like, I didn't know what the hell was going on, right? And I'm just (laughs) like, yeah, woo, yeah. But then, you know, towards the end, we're all singing together, and we're dancing together, and then, like... We're all just like in this space together and everything just like goes like, you know, almost like white and everything was just like all in all in nothing at the same time. It was all just beautiful and resonating and perfect. And it was the same type feeling that I had through like meditation. And the other time that I felt like that, not going to lie, it was because of drugs Hmm. and music. You know, but it happened, you know, and and, but because it all they all three were very similar experiences, I kind of realized that it's all this one connected piece. And so I, I kind of feel I understand what you're saying about that. That's
1: Yeah, I love my favorite way anyone has explained using drugs to have a spiritual experience was they said it's like taking a helicopter to the top of the mountain. And it drops you off, and you're there, and you experience it, and you're at the top of the mountain. But how do you get back there without the helicopter? Unless you trudge up the side of the mountain and figure out the way to get there yourself.
0: Wow. And
1: I loved that, because I love mountains, and <laughs> helicopters are cool, too. So was uh, like, I could get down with that helicopter. So that, that analogy network. is dope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so I guess I'm... I'm I, I tried the helicopter and I'm trying to, trying to trudge
0: up the mountain and figure climbing it out myself. now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm still climbing the mountain I <laughs> yeah. experience. Once again, I, I may have tre- trekked the mountain a little bit and had the experience, but it's, it's a mountain that you're always continually climbing. Right. But I think it's important to know that you have to continually climb throughout your whole life because right. life is built on growth.
1: Absolutely. Right.
0: Because if you are a fucking couch potato and you're just sitting there, nothing's going to happen. Right. You know, but if you if you push forward with a purpose and not push forward for an egotistical reason, you know, like if you're pushing forward to make money, if you're pushing forward to build your career, you're pushing forward to do something for someone else, you're not going to get to that mountaintop. You're just going to keep climbing until you fall back down.
1: For sure. I think it's it's really important to identify what your core character traits are as a person Mm. and whether your actions every day take you towards or away from those character traits. Um, I decided that my, I like the compass metaphor and I was like, I want my four corners to be integrity, patience, discipline, and self-reliance. And those were those were Same my again. those <laughs> integrity patience discipline and self reliance. Uh. And I I spent a period of time focusing on each one to just build a foundation, and I still double back. And discipline is a bitch. Um, oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> but I figured out a couple years into deciding that those were my core values. That um, the key to the whole changing from a compass to a lock, the key to the whole thing is humility. Because if you can't actually look. At how you're doing on any of those traits then you can't you can't recognize where there is growth so i I really those
0: four is humility
1: it's humility humility is kind of the the key to opening the whole the whole thing i think if you're gonna live a life of growth you got to be able to recognize where you're not doing so hot recognize where you are doing so hot and look at it and be like okay cool. I'm either in balance or out of balance right now. What can I do to get myself a little bit more in balance and just getting a little more in balance is doing more than a lot of people do to, to grow themselves. I think.
0: Absolutely. One thing that me and Dave talk about so much is the balance of life. And how the, you have to understand that there is a balance, that right. there is good and there is bad, and to live within it, like is the most important thing. Like, like the like the Tao Te Ching. Like, I'm sure you know about the Tao, right?
1: Absolutely, the Tao Pooh is the best book in the world. Yeah, have you read that? No. Okay, so it's Pooh. everyone
0: listen. It's,
1: it's the Pooh story, told from a Taoist perspective. He like Pooh? Yeah. Like, Think about Pooh. Okay, so he wakes up in the morning, and he poo, touches his toes, first thing. And then he, like, walks around, and he finds his honey, and if he loses his honey, he's like, don't find another honey. Or, like, if somebody's having a hard day, he's, like, he's there for them, but he's not, he's not ever suffering. And it was wow. the stories of Pooh told with little, the, the excerpt from the story, and under it, the Dallas teaching that goes along with it wow and it's so cool you should so, definitely read that <laughs> i'm
0: glad that you understand the dow and know about it and all that um me and dave were contemplating what we were gonna name the podcast and one of the names we came up with was um uh get dow with that I, I, can get, I can get Dao with that <laughs> i or love something. that yeah and it it was cool, but, you know, when we're thinking of, like, a business name or, like, a podcast name, something that'll resonate with everyone, people right. know what the Tao is, right? And if you put T-A-O, people O, we're be like, I can get TAO with that. Like, <laughs> what the hell is that? No one's going to listen, right? <laughs> right? But, no, me and Dave are so big on, on finding that balance and, and understanding that there has to be love with hate, right? There has to right. be both of that. And when you understand both of them, you can live a more productive, peaceful, loving, you know, growing life.
1: Right, absolutely. Or the ravine of trauma or tragedy or um, hardship that carves that ravine out so that you can fill up with that much more joy.
0: You said that earlier. Yeah. And when you said that, that's exactly what I was thinking about. Exactly. When you, like I've had a lot of traumatic experiences throughout my life, but I am honestly so grateful for everything that I have gone through and everything, even things that I have done wrong or bad. You know, if you look at them as something that is not wrong or bad, but looking at them as one, a learning experience, and two, like you said, carving out that space for that much more goodness to fill it back to that balance point.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's really crucial. A really crucial thing is to take what you have experienced that's super negative and be like, whoo, I felt that. So, the next time I'm happy, it's going to be a good happy. It's going to be a
0: good-ass happy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Like, if yesterday was your worst day, today has to be better, you know?
0: Damn right. Right. It isn't... I, there was some quote years ago. Years ago, I saw on fucking Instagram or something. It was like, isn't it the greatest feeling that the best day of your life is yet to happen? And it's like, Wow.
1: That is a great feeling <laughs> yeah. I've had some
0: really bad days and I've had some really great days. But, I mean, for us, we're in our 20s, right? right. And, like, we definitely have some bomb-ass days ahead of us, you know? And just to, to have that mindset to know that even if you've had these negative, horrible days, like, those days are carving out that space for you to have those good days to fill it.
1: For sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's a fucking... Absolutely. Um I mean I knew this there was gonna be a, a hell of a conversation with you. I, I did, I knew it for sure. Um glad we've had time to do this.
1: Absolutely, um, I appreciate you.
0: Hell yeah. Reaching out. Um, one thing I definitely love to ask is like what has been something that has either happened to you or something you can pass on to somebody else that can um help someone become a better person because one thing we want to want to do with Life's a trip podcast is is fill other people's life experiences with a you know a relation to where other people can relate to I should say to where they can you know take something out of maybe something that you have learned what is something you could maybe pass on to
1: others okay this is a big one so I'm going to pause for effect yeah Other people's behaviors are not a personal attack. Other people's behaviors are a product of their internal state, and they are not a personal attack on you. Even if it affects you personally, you can't take it personally. You have to look at other people's behaviors as not who they are, but their internal state. If you come into contact with someone who is just being an asshole, and doing really messed up stuff. If you can look at it in a compassionate way and be like, "What's going on for you right now?" instead of being like, you know, "Fuck you." you yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it it takes the edge off of life. I hear a lot of people say stuff like, "I hate people" or, you know, "Screw this world and our society's messed up. America's in such turmoil right now." And I think just like being able to recognize how many roots everyone else has. How many traumas they have. How many hardships they've had. And they might not be in a mindset of resiliency about it. And they might be still living that trauma. And just being able to look at that and take a deep breath and not take it personally. And have compassion for them. I learned this in the woods. Having 17 year old kids who are so pissed off. Screaming my face and you just feel your face soften and you smile at them tell them how much you love them can't technically say that but tell them with your words you know yeah. not not say i love you but tell them and man it'll disarm anyone yeah cuz they're not they're not used to receiving that reaction they're used to you're an asshole stop doing that you're a bad kid you're this, you're that. And adults are used to that, too. They're waiting for that reaction.
0: Especially with parenting and things like that. Exactly. You know, they feel personally attacked because their child is being this way, so they feel like they have to tell them to be a certain way.
1: Right. Or they pop pop off at them. And, right. You ungrateful piece of shit. Whatever they say. <laughs> we hear
0: that, yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> um, I think that that is the, the best thing to learn, to That's really stop feeling like the world is just eating the pulp
0: out of you and I mean I agree yeah. I I think I personally made that switch um like I I told you I I've coached for many many years and um I've had to deal with a lot of pissed off parents and I've I've gone through a lot of self-help books and seminars and I've been through the whole Tony Robbins thing and um you know I think I think you're right um having compassion for where somebody is um, and not taking it personally is so freaking huge. And why I feel like I'm really good at my current job and why I'm really good with connecting with people in general is because if someone comes in pissed off about something, no matter what it is, or someone comes to me pissed off about something, it's not you, no matter what. Even if they're yelling at you, it's not you. It's something that has happened to them right? that they feel personally attacked about. And if you compassionately come back to them and understand where they're coming from, and even if you don't completely understand where they're coming from, you at least have compassion for what they're trying to approach you with. You can get them on the level of understanding by continually trying to reach their understanding with compassion.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I 100% understand that. And I think that is very, very, very powerful. Um, yeah, I absolutely love that. Anything uh, Anything else you want to say to the listeners? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't think so. But I really appreciate you having me on and talking to me. Absolutely. I think we're we're going to be good friends.
0: I yeah, I'd be upset if we weren't. <laughs> that would be
1: And I hope that you know people can take away from the podcast knowing that meditation does actually help scientifically <laughs> and to be kind to other people if that's the point they get.
0: <laughs> Woo. Yeah, like come on. Even if it's right. one person like there there are so many people. And I'm sure, I mean, including myself. I mean, I don't meditate as much as I should. It's just kind of hard. Yeah, it is. You know, it's hard to actually sit yourself down and um um I think last time we talked you said you have a meditation buddy or something.
1: I do. She's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like
0: find that person. Like, you know, um you know, for me it's not a meditation buddy, but um, Dave, who obviously does this podcast with me, we are credibility partners, um, and we keep each other on, on our shit. Like, Dave is, is starting his tattoo apprenticeship.
1: Ooh, um, way to go, Dave. Yeah,
0: he already started his tattoo apprenticeship, and he is about to tattoo my leg
1: next oh, week. Oh, what are you
0: getting? Yeah, at? yeah, um, well, uh, <laughs> when me and Dave first met at Resonance, um we dropped of the L um on the tongue and we had <laughs> had an absolute most incredible experience which led into we should start a podcast together uh. hence here we are um <laughs> but we we had a day um that it was um i think it was the saturday of resonance whatever it was Um, we were having the time of our lives and we're like, let's go over to this stage, blah, blah, blah. And we went over there and, you know, we're having a freaking blast at that point. And we laid down on this hill of where the stage was at the bottom next to the lake. And we were just looking up at the stars on this hill and we figured out life. Figured it out. And we yelled, figured it out, (laughs) figured it out. And we were like, water, health. Education.
1: There you go.
0: That's all you need. We didn't even say food. Apparently it didn't matter. (laughs) Water, health, education. If you have... And that's it. That's it. Yeah. So if you have those things, like you figured out life, you don't need anything else. Like that is all life is. We figured out life, right? And that was like me and Dave's defining moment of our best friendship, right? So we were laying on this hill, listening to music looking up at the stars, and so the tattoo is going to be a depiction of us laying on a hill with music playing and water, education, and health <laughs> written in a bubble above us, and it's it. going to be on my thigh, and it's going nice. to be his first tattoo after his official apprenticeship.
1: Cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm so
1: glad you found a friend like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
0: So we, we definitely found each other at the right times in our lives. Good. For sure. So, but anywho, um, Bex, thank you so freaking much for coming on today. I had a
1: blast. Absolutely, I did too. And life is a trip.
0: <laughs> life is a trip, y'all. This is episode sixteen, officially signing off with yours truly. Thanks, Logan. Bye, (laughs) (laughs) y'all.